One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of podcasts. Episode 173 of Blue Jays Nation Radio, as always, is brought to you by Botano, the 2023 EGR brand of the year. Whether it's baseball you're looking to bet on or maybe a little NFL preseason. I I highly doubt it. Maybe, though. They have the odds up for everything at Botano. The game starts now at Botano.ca. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Coomsey, the Jays take 2-3 from the Cincinnati Reds over the weekend. And uh, that was a fun little end of that series. Yeah, it started off really poorly. I can't remember the last time I was more pissed off about a loss than I was about the one on Friday. Losing one nothing to Long Island Ducks. I don't remember his name. Random, random pitcher just getting completely like shut down by that. But then coming out and on Sunday having the bats finally wake up five home run day. You absolutely love to see it. So that was a bit of a roller coaster ride of a weekend. Yeah. Um, our three up, three down can honestly kind of go in chronological order in, uh, yeah. for this series. So let's just, let's crush the downs out now. You mentioned Brett Kennedy, a guy who has thrown 12 innings this year now <laughs> for the Cincinnati Reds. Before that had not pitched in the majors since 2018, not just pre COVID, two years before COVID. Um, it was a long time. He has a career ERA now of 5.59, thanks in part to the fact he threw a bunch of shutout innings against the Toronto Blue Jays. And that was just, it was beyond miserable. And it again was frustrating because they weren't even close. It's not like, you know, there was some bad luck in there. You had the bases loaded a couple of times and maybe whatever happened. They didn't get a hit after the third inning in that ball game. In the first, second and third innings, they got runners on second with one out every single time, could not cash them in. And then they got no hit the rest of the way. A couple walks was all they were able to get off that Reds team. That was miserable. And you're right. That was about as pissed off as I could have been after a ball game. Cause just how, how that guy again has never been a good major league pitcher has basically never been a great triple a pitcher in his life. And you couldn't touch him. Ridiculous. The most frustrating thing about it though, is how predictable it all was. Like you go into a series and you're like, Oh, we're going to see a good pitcher on Sunday. Hunter green, former number two overall pick. The guy throws, you know, 101 miles an hour. Like that's going to be a tough one for the Jays. But on Friday, they're playing this random guy that they've never seen. It's hardly pitched in the major leagues. Like this is the exact profile of a guy who always seems to shut down the blue Jays, whether it's, you know, a rookie who's struggling and finally has a good start or some random quad a call up. They always have a hard time with this. I swear, go back to the 2016 playoffs. It's like the curse of Ryan Mallett. 
when Jose Bautista said he's shaking in his boots ahead of that start and then proceeded to shut them down in the clinching ALCS game over like five innings of work. And since then, it just keeps on happening and happening and happening. And I do not know why I can't wrap my head around it. It's absolutely insane. But at the end of the day, like the other two games were positive. The other funny thing about this Friday game is um, <laughs> Blue Jays uh, hitting strategist Dave Hudgens four minutes before the game is on Twitter responding uh, as a reply guy getting mad about U.S. politics and everybody was jumping on it. I mean, not like it really matters. Like, let's be real. He's like, it sends two seconds to send a tweet. It doesn't really matter. But it's just such funny optics that you're hitting strategist, hitting strategist, whatever that means this season, given how bad they've been, is doing that right before the game it's just such a bad look it's such bad timing but it was it was a it was kind of a funny way to like turn that game which was just awful into a bit of a joke i feel like there probably should be some sort of discipline for that i know right like you're right it takes two seconds to send a tweet but it clearly shows that like minutes before a game he is no longer like working with the players he's not dialed in like I mean, we'd be pretty pissed if like Vladdy was posting Instagram stories three minutes for the game and then went like 0 and 4 with three Ks. Like, oh, yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's maybe actually a bit of an issue, not like a huge issue, but like, again, where what's going on in that clubhouse where a coach is just chilling on his phone, browsing Twitter, game's about to start. Yeah, that's that's an ugly look into what the Blue Jays have going on right now. And it's just another it's another, again, look back at that line they had during spring training. We're going to be all in focused on these little details. Well, no, because your hitting strategist minutes before a game is getting mad online like it's stupid. They, They should honestly next season, given the way things have gone, throw back to Anthony Bass. Now this just like make it so the guys don't have social media, make that a team policy. Team should start doing that. I swear it's it's almost it started off as such a positive thing. Like fans can connect with players. Teams yeah. can connect with players. And now it's become something completely different. Yeah, uh, it's we've had a few too many of these uh, this season talking about the Toronto Blue Jays. And that is unfortunate. Uh, so the first down again, you get shut out. Your hitting coach cares more about Twitter than the team. And the guy who shuts you down might never pitch in the majors again. Like, who knows? Right. Um, the second down this one I'm just throwing right on us. Last episode, we were like, oh man, this Hicks Romano thing. Like, can't you wait for the big games in October when it's these two shutting down the other team? And then Jordan Hicks in the first game gives up a walk-off bomb. He's been a little up and down since joining uh the Toronto Blue Jays. And I mean, that one at bat where he got the strikeout and it was like 103, 103, 101 on Ellie Dela Cruz. That was sick. But at the same time, uh, giving up the walk of bomb isn't great. I know Cardinals fans kind of warned us about this when we got him. It was like, oh, man, get ready for the Jordan Hicks experience. And it feels like we're really getting all of it so far. Yeah, I remember reading from a Cardinals fan. A few of them had mentioned that uh, Jordan Hicks is quite a bit better when the team's winning. And he's defending a lead, whether that's in the eighth or the ninth inning, whenever it comes, than he is the aim being tied or his team being, you know, behind or something like that. And I think we've, we've kind of seen the same thing with Jordan Romano as well. He comes into these non-save or kind of save situations. Maybe the game's tied and, you know, the top of the ninth or bottom of the ninth or whatever, or, you know, the, the, the Jays are winning by three or something like that. And it's a safe situation technically, but the adrenaline's not really there. It's not really ramped up and they just come in and it, it's just like a, a poor outing and it's, it's an interesting thing. I don't know. Um, I haven't looked into Hicks's numbers that much, but it has definitely been a roller coaster ride since he arrived in Toronto. The combination of, you know, sometimes his commands just not there. And then also the reality is, is he throws so hard that if you're 
an opposing batter. All you really have to do is get the bat on it. Like he's providing the power. And in the Great America Small Park, all you have to do is hit the ball in the air and it goes out. That's another reason why it's so stunning that we saw a one nothing game in Cincinnati. Like it, it in the Sunday game, like there was some balls that looked like they were barely hit that wound up scraping over the wall. And it's honestly weird, like weird to see like um, such a low scoring game in that ballpark. Yeah, you would think eventually someone would have just like tripped into a home run somehow, you know, like check swing dinger. But we almost were seeing the other side. You mentioned with Hicks, right? You just got touched. The ball goes out. We did kind of see the reverse of that in game three of the series where the Jays were just hitting like random opposite field line drive dingers. Uh, We'll talk about that in just a second. But our third down for this series against the Cincinnati Reds is just finger issues in general, I think. Uh, we saw Vladdy leave the game. Uh, we've seen Matt Chapman now in the field not look like Matt Chapman at all since his finger injury, so I wondered about that a little bit. Um, but sticking with Vladdy, uh, him, seeing him leave the game, not great. I don't think it's going to be that serious, but also at the same time, Vladdy in general right now isn't bringing a ton to this lineup, so that's also lumped into this down. Vladdy's hurt, and Vladdy hasn't looked like Vladdy in a long time. Yeah, this is a kind of a weird situation. It's like um, the Sunday game, he t- he makes a big swing, loses his bat, and then finishes the at-bat, stays in a little bit longer, and then winds up getting pulled. And they say after the game, it's just a day-to-day thing. It's a middle finger issue. And, I mean, that's pretty big. We don't really know what that means or when it started. But that's been the thing with Vladdy all year is there's there's been sort of a wonder. Is there something nagging? Is there something going on? Like, it, it's, it's hard to believe that he's just suddenly forgot how to hit because, I mean, even if you've lowered your expectations from him having the 2021 season again. I mean, last year he was still pretty good. He was a well above average hitter. He was, you know, very good defensively at first base. And this year it just, it hasn't really been the same. And you, you wonder, I remember there was, must've been back in May or back in June when they were playing the Yankees, he had that um, kind of issue with his knee and only wound up missing a couple of days. And it's like, has there been something nagging all season? But at the end of the day, honestly, if he misses a little bit of time, like, Vladdy hasn't really been a huge part of Toronto's lineup recently or really at all since April, I guess. I mean, he does lead the team in home runs, to be fair, but given the way he's playing recently, it's like maybe just give him a few days off, give him a bit of a rest, let him let him hit the reset button, maybe 10-day injured list. There's a whole bunch of guys in AAA who are hitting really well. Maybe give an Addison Barger, Spencer Horowitz a chance. Maybe David Schneider gets more playing time. Who knows? But is it, it's a weird thing, a weird cloud kind of looming over Vladdy's season where it's hard not to wonder if there's something else going on, like an injury. He is one home run in the month of August in 63 at-bats. You mentioned something nagging him potentially. The part that's just been frustrating for me, though, is his decision-making at the plate. Like how many times have we seen this guy strike out on a heater that's in the middle of the strike zone somewhere, whether it's right at the bottom down the middle or right at the top down the middle, sometimes literally right down the pipe, it looks like. And he's just standing there watching it. And I mean, I know hitting in the major leagues is very difficult. I certainly could not do it. But again, (laughs) you watch a guy like Vladdy, who at points in his career, it's been like, man, like his vision's kind of on, right? He's got this good batting eye and he's seen the ball really well. Right now he is just, He's so far from that. Like, it's not even like he just went down to being average and there's one or two at bats where you're like, oh, what was his approach here? Why is he swinging at the first pitch? That's a slider two feet out of the zone and then watching the heater inside. This feels like it's just been going on for a really, really long time. And it's it's maddening. It's it's concerning because, I mean, you see the tweets. I see the tweets of this guy's had one good season or one great season in his career. 
and the rest of it, he's been an average hitter. And it makes you wonder if his name wasn't Vladimir Guerrero Jr., if his name was whatever, would we, what would we think of this guy? He wouldn't have a star status. He'd probably be hitting sixth in this lineup. Yeah, honestly. I mean, uh, one thing I was doing um, recently, I don't know why I was doing this to myself, but I was looking at Vladdy's slash line and I was going back and looking at comparable Blue Jays from the past. And his season this year has been 2015 Justin Smoke. Like that's the pre-breakout when he was the backup to Chris Colabello at first base and Edwin Encarnacion, like the occasional pinch hitter, defensive replacement who hit some home runs, 2015 Justin Smoke. It's 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 really stunning. And I like the, the reason it's so weird this year is that his month of April was really quite good. He he put up uh, 309 batting average, eight 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 five OPS. You know, he he struck out 14 times and walked 13 times, hit five home runs. It's you know, he's not lighting the world on fire, but it's a good approach and it, it that that's just disappeared the rest of the season and you know it's it's weird is it pressure he can't handle being the main guy in toronto expectations being so high is it some nagging injury is it the pitching coach is it is it you know he's trying to pull or trying to go the other way trying to do something did he used to find success by sitting and waiting for his pitch like there's so many theories out there as to what might be going on and it's it's literally impossible to put your finger on it Vladdy's slugging percentage by month, 491 in April, 420 in May. It, drew, it went to 440, sorry, or it was 440 in June, July down to 435, the month of August, 333. That is, uh, that is ugly. That is ugly. Um, the Jays will need Vladdy when he's back in the lineup to have a, call it a Kevin Biggio type turnaround of this season, because again, like, and it's very hard to do this. And I don't love being like the overly optimistic guy all the time, but we've seen it with Vladdy where for two or three weeks, he looks like the best hitter on the planet. So if that two or three week stretch just happens to come in like late September, early October, we're going to forget about this poor regular season in a hurry. Almost in a way, not quite the same, but Bo last year. Yeah. Bo had this electric September and all of a sudden it was like, the conversation all year was guy can't play shortstop. This isn't a guy you sign long-term, blah, blah, blah. He had that great September and all of a sudden it was like, holy shit, face of the franchise, right? Yeah, it was a complete narrative shift for Bo. We were having the same conversations about him at this exact time last year where it was, oh yeah, we should move him to second base, but his bat has also been so bad that he's not that great at second base. And now, you know, he goes on the injured list and comes back and it's like, wow, one of the best shortstops in baseball. This is the best guy on the team. Like sign him long-term back up the back up the bricks truck of money like it's it's crazy how quickly things change and i think that's something we should acknowledge is that all of us lean into being a reactionary a little bit probably too much more than we should with baseball but ah, at the end of the day like that's the sport. it's hard not exactly it's it's following sports it's hard not to get excited and worked up and about things and want to draw overarching conclusions that's that's just the the brain of the fan it is what it is Last year, Bo Bichette's slugging percentage in April was 298. His slugging percentage in the month of September was 689. He had an OPS that was like 1,200. It was insane. Uh, so who knows? Maybe Vladdy's got a little bit of that in him when he gets back in the lineup. There's your three downs for the series against the Cincinnati Reds. Let's talk about the ups and let's stick with Bo Bichette. He comes in in game two, immediately helps the offense. Game three, he goes yard, hits one opposite field. That looked like it was just going to be a line out right to the right fielder. It somehow got out of that ballpark, but we'll take it. Uh, Bo Bichette returned and showed why he 
is probably the MVP when it comes to position players on this team. Yeah, definitely. He I mean, he's not probably. He is. Yeah. I don't know why I stuttered for with that. Sure. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, an, there's, there's an argument to make for Matt Chapman as well, I guess. He's been so good defensively. had that great month of April, but yeah. the bat just has not been there since then. Bo, it's it's both things. Like, it, it's it's nice to see because there was so much skepticism about what he could actually be a shortstop long term. He's been a good good defensive shortstop this season, which, given the way his bat is, is exactly just what you need. He doesn't have to be an elite defender. He has to just be solid just fine because his bat's so good. And we saw that in the Sunday game, especially the dinger, the triple, I think for me, when he hit the triple was the best part because you worried about whether he'd be able to run effectively after the injury he suffered against Baltimore running between first and second base to leg out a double. When he hits that triple in Cincinnati, no problem whatsoever. I mean, getting Bo back at the top of the lineup is such a game changer. Somebody who can get on base, somebody who can drive and runs. That's that's really what they missed when he was gone. They, they did a fine job staying above water with like a 500 record with him out of the lineup. But now that he's back, it's looking ahead of the schedule and it's like, all right, it's time to heat up now. Yeah. Um, Bo Bichette was awesome as the Jays put up a pile of runs, 14 runs in their final two games. Um, let's talk about the arms we saw in this series. Uh, in the loss, they absolutely wasted a good start from Jose Barrios, who had a no-hitter going into the fifth inning. I believe uh, Hunjin Ryu in the series finale was spectacular, and I got a real chuckle out of watching the uh, Jordan Hicks versus Ellie De La Cruz at bat, 103, 101, 103. And then you see Ryu's final at bat against De La Cruz, 67 mile an hour curveball, just dropping right into the bottom of the zone. Nasty stuff. Ryu looked great. Um, Chris Bassett also had a quality start in that game, was pulled with like only 79 pitches, I believe. Um, to me, the biggest standout though was Ryu. Like Barrios has been excellent and consistent all year. Bassett, we've gotten a lot of quality starts from, and he's pitched late into a lot of ball games. But Ryu putting forth another really, really strong outing, that is that's something that could really affect this playoff race. Yeah, seriously. I mean, you're looking at their their one through five right now, and everyone knows Gosman's great. Yeah, that that's fantastic. They've been getting that from him this year, number one starter. But Rios has bounced back. He's been better than he ever has been in his career with Minnesota. He's been the pitcher that the Jays acquired in 2021 and got down the stretch that year, like a bona fide number two. Yusei Kikuchi's pitching the best that he ever has in his big league career. Hyunjin Ryu now looks almost identical to the Ryu that the Jays had in 2020, who was their clear MVP who dragged into the playoffs. And then like number five on that list probably is Bassett, who's just a quality start machine. Every time he pitches, he goes like six innings and allows two, three or four runs. It's, it's really spectacular. I, I can't remember a time when the Blue Jays had this much depth in their pitching staff, because even after all the starters you have, the relievers are killing it too. Like, yeah, of course you had the Jordan Hicks loss in this game, but in the next game they come back and he's a part of the save. Genesis Cabrera pitches another scoreless inning in this. He hasn't allowed an earned run yet as a Blue Jay. Just runs, not earned runs. Bowden Francis, he picks up his first save in the big leagues, throwing three innings in relief. The best kind of save out there, the one where you just come into a blowout game and toss three innings. Those are uh, always really funny. But yeah, I mean, like the, the pitching all told has just been absolutely killing it. And that was that was the goal. It was Ross Atkins thing was run prevention. Let's get these good pitchers with rubber arms who don't really get injured. Let's make the team really good defensively so that, you know, if you have pitch to contact guys on the mound like a Bassett or, you know, somebody like that, then the defense compensates and it's really worked. And you can see that if the Jays just got 
pretty good hitting, not even spectacular hitting. I'm not talking about being the 2015 Jays, just being like an above average good hitting team. They'd be, they'd be so good. The pitching's right there, but man, they just need those bats to come around so badly because you can definitely see with this, um, with this rotation, how, how you can beat a lot of teams in five or seven game playoff series. They've lost one nothing twice in the last two weeks. Like, how does that happen? You're right. It's average hitting. And this team has at least another two wins this month and is sitting in a wild card spot, not on the outside looking in of a wild card spot. So yeah, average bats. That's all we're looking for here down the stretch. Cause it looks like the rotation is just going to keep absolutely, uh, keep absolutely killing it. So, um, the long ball was awesome. We saw the 10 runs, five dingers. Brandon belt hits two. What a signing Brandon belt has been. I, kind of thought it was a little funny too like Kiermaier and Belt hitting those two dingers as close as they did like again people will shit on Shapiro and Atkins I've done it a fair amount this year but those two veteran pickups changed their season yeah absolutely those are huge wins I mean I remember when the the Cubs were in town and um they were playing in that series and Cody Bellinger had been killing it and Cody Bellinger was always a favorite of mine when he was with the Dodgers and I really wanted the Jays to sign him in the offseason it was disappointing they couldn't make it work because there apparently was interest from Bellinger to sign with the Jays but you think about the contract that Bellinger got I think it was one year 20 mils with the Cubs and with that same amount of money they added Kiermaier and Belt who are largely the same thing right like Belt's bat has been fantastic the amount of times that he goes down 0-2 in account and still makes the pitcher throw like nine or ten pitches is spectacular. And then Kiermaier, same thing. He hits a dinger in this game. He's he's been fantastic as the number nine hitter this season. Like getting him back, we we talk we talk mostly about getting Bo back in the series, but getting Kiermaier back as well as a game changer. He's been so good defensively in the center field as well. Like those two additions go completely under the radar because when they were signed, it was kind of like what? Like Kevin Kiermaier is going to be a Blue Jay. Brandon Belt's going to be a Blue Jay. Like what the fuck? <laughs> the first month with Brandon Belt, like he was so bad in April. We were talking like, you know, did, did his agent like trick the Jays into thinking something else was going on? Like, did he cheat through his physical? Like what is happening here? And then he's been, he's been their best hitter since uh, the start. Hey, he's been fantastic. Yeah. Another guy, just since we're through or going through guys who had good series, uh, the run Dalton Varsho has been on recently has been really, really impressive. This series against Cincinnati, he picked up a hit in every game and reached base in seven of his 12 plate appearances. He drew three walks, which is a great thing for a guy who was struggling with the strikeouts a lot throughout this season to see him starting to draw walks is great. Uh, you look at his last 15 games. He's hitting 311. He's got an OPS that's right around a thousand. He's got three home runs and 45 at bats. Like, I think we're starting to see the Dalton Varsho that the Blue Jays front office saw last season in Arizona. This is a guy who, and I'm not just talking about a five game sample size now, right? It's been more than two weeks where this guy is hitting the ball very, very well on a pretty consistent basis. So man, I mean, Dalton Varsho, he's making a case to maybe start getting moved up a little higher in the lineup, especially with the body injury. Yeah, honestly, maybe like the, the way he's going, it's it's important to remember with Varsho. And I think we kind of forget this when we talk about the trade is that he hasn't been in the big leagues for that long, right? Like he made his debut for the Diamondbacks during the COVID season in 2020, 2021. He's, you know, half of the year in AAA, half of the year in the big leagues. 2022 was his first like real full season in the big leagues. This isn't like a 32 year old journeyman they traded for. This is a, you know, a 26 year old guy who's still kind of finding his way in the big leagues. Like, the best of Varsho is yet to come. Like there, this is a, this was a guy who was a second round pick by the Diamondbacks, pretty highly touted prospect all the way up. I mean, they didn't just like I said, didn't just acquire some journeyman. I I I, I do think that the, the the best of this player is yet to come. 
There you go. There's your three up, three down for the series against the Cincinnati Reds. Let's get to a couple of quick stories here before we take a break. Uh, the Paul DeYoung era is over in Toronto. He goes a remarkable three for 44, no extra base hits, strikes out 18 times. It was ugly. His defense was okay. And I guess we'll always remember that. Um, I know some people were like, oh, why isn't it just Espinal going down? I don't see a problem with this move. DeYoung wasn't working out here. Let him go. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I don't know. He's not going to play at all. He's a free agent next year. Give the guy a chance to catch on somewhere else, revitalize himself so he can sign a contract next year. It's really not the end of the world. Um, I think I think one, like, you can criticize Atkins for these shitty additions, and there's a handful of them now. John was, you know, didn't work out at all. Think Mitch White. Think Jonathan Villar, uh, Brad Hand. Like there's been there's been acquisitions who have been bad, but the positive thing I think is that they're willing to let go. It's you know with Brad Hand a couple of years ago he was not pitching well at all, and the Jays weren't just like ah you know what we traded for this guy he's our guy we got to make it work. They were like no we'll cut him loose and bring in somebody else. We're trying to win. It's the same thing with the Jong. It's not working out. Let's just move on. And I think being able to just accept that it didn't work out and move on is better than being stubborn and trying to force it and make it work. The other thing that came out this weekend was that Alec Manoa is still sitting in Toronto, even though he's been sent down to the AAA club by the team. He's off the active roster. John Schneider said, quote, they're trying to figure out the right time physically in terms of when he's going to get a start in AAA. We have probably seen the last of him on the major league roster this season. I don't think he's a particularly strong candidate to like bring up in September. I think you're probably doing that with like a Jay Jackson or something like that. So I'm going to help the bullpen and help the bench. Um, a little confusing though, that Manoa is not either down in Dunedin working on things or in Buffalo getting reps in and getting starts in AAA. Are you a little confused with how they're handling this? Or do you think it's maybe just, am I making too big of a deal out of it? No, you're definitely not. It's a, it's a really odd thing. And it's another one of those kind of inexplicable Blue Jays not being that transparent with what's going on. This, this isn't an always thing, but it's a sometimes thing. You know, we've had this in the past with, uh, I mean, even, even earlier this, um, not that long ago, George Springer sits out a few days and there just isn't a mention of why or what's going on. Think about his injury back in his first year with the Jays in 2021. They kept saying it wasn't serious. (laughs) He winds up missing like a month and a half. Um, it's, it's a weird thing they do. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it kind of points to, The fact that Manoa coming up for that stretch in July when right before Ryu was back, when they didn't have a fifth starter, Mitch White couldn't get the job done. It kind of points to the fact that I don't think they were wanting to or planning to do that. They just had to. They had to have somebody soak up those innings. And I think I I remember when Manoa went down originally, I, I said, I thought... Let's start looking at this guy for next year. They've got to slam the reset button, fix some stuff. And I, I sort of feel like that's what's happening. Um, unless the player is not wanting to report to, to Buffalo, uh, unless there's like an injury that they're not talking about. It's it's just a very weird situation, all told. It's weird that they're not being more transparent with what's going on. But then again, this whole situation has been completely whack. Like nobody thought coming into the year that Alec Manoa was going to turn into a pumpkin like this. There, there was There was no thought. I mean, there was tons of people that said, look at his underlying numbers. He's not an ace. He's like a number three or four starter you know sure fine like if alec manoa regressing and becoming chris bassett 
is one thing. Him falling off a cliff and becoming a number five AAA starter is another thing that nobody saw this coming. The Blue Jays weren't planning for this and they've been reacting on the fly. And I feel like there's a lot of things behind the scenes that we just do not know whatsoever. And maybe as time goes along, maybe in the offseason, we'll find out more. But as of right now, it's very odd. It's a it's a very weird situation. Yeah. Uh, let's step aside here for a quick break and then start to take a look ahead. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. All right, moving along on episode 173 of Blue Jays Nation Radio, brought to you by Botano. Let's get to the AL East's report slash AL wildcard report. We know what's important. We know what's in reach. Uh, it was a pretty interesting weekend around the American League, Brandon Douglas. So take us through what happened and how the Jays are sitting right now. Uh, yeah, guys, the, you mentioned it earlier. This is the first time the Jays have been out of the wild card number three spot for seemingly quite a, quite a while here as the, the Mariners continued their really hot recent stretch. And we'll, we'll touch on that in a second, but elsewhere around the, the, the division itself, the Yankees and the Red Sox were playing. Boston swept the Yankees. Their tumultuous run just continues to go downhill. Aaron Boone calling out the team. The Yankees have lost eight in a row for their longest losing streak since, I think, 1995. We talked last episode about how they haven't finished below 500 in that same kind of relative time frame. Uh, Next up for the Yankees, they're going to host the Nationals for three games. And the Red Sox, they're going to get Tanner Houck back here on Tuesday. They're three games back of wildcard three spots, so they're not out of it by any stretch. And they're going to have a four-game set in Houston versus the Astros, who are another team we'll touch on here on the back half of the segment. The Rays, they continue to just kind of plot along, keeping their head above water. Two of three taken off the Angels out in Los Angeles. Uh, Zach Eflin picked up his 13th win, the first pitcher in the American League to reach that number this season. Uh, they will host the Colorado Rockies for three games. And the Rays are, are just really settled into where, they, where they're at with their current injury situation and stuff. I think it's really unlikely they're going to catch Baltimore. They're still sitting at three games back, but 
with a five game cushion at the top of the wild card standings. Uh, I think as Rays fans and as a team, they can remain pretty happy in that situation and give themselves a chance to host some playoff games here. Uh, the Orioles, they swept the athletics to finish their West Coast road trip. Uh, and as they come into the series with the Blue Jays, which I'm sure you guys are going to talk about in a minute or two, minute or two here, uh, Ryan Mountcastle in the month of August is batting 403 with an OPS of well over 1,000, uh, 27 hits, 14 runs scored, uh, four home runs. Uh, this guy never needs any extra motivation to play the Blue Jays, it seems, and he is coming in probably as hot as any player on Baltimore's roster right now. So keep your head up and eyes open for uh, Blue Jays killer Ryan Mountcastle here this week. And then the other two teams that are in the race, uh, the Mariners, like I said, swept the Astros. They're on a six-game winning streak. Uh, they're going to get J.P. Crawford back this week, too. He's coming off of a concussion, go through the protocol, do a little bit of a rehab stint down in the minors. And uh, then they are going to finish their current road trip in Chicago with the White Sox, which we talk about the Yankees as a franchise in disarray. The White Sox, not really too far behind them in the past few weeks with former players calling out management and, and coaching and whatnot, too. The Astros, four and six in the last 10. They're scuttling along after getting swept by Seattle. Um, they're going to get two days off, or pardon me, they don't have any days off until the end of the month. Their bullpen is stretched down thin ever since they reacquired Verlander. They've been like trying to do six starters. It's had very limited success. They're, they're a team that's kind of scuttling along, but they're still only two and a half game back, two and a half games back of their own division lead because Texas is pretty much in the exact same situation. Neither of them can kind of get out of their own way, it seems, uh, at the moment. So the, the, everything is, is, Apart from the Mariners jumping over the Jays, I'll throw up our standings here to take a quick peek at it. Uh, everything else kind of pretty much the same, just a little bit more separation across the board. I've left the Angels in there as a courtesy to them, <laughs> despite the fact that they uh, lost two or three to, uh, to, to the Rays. But um, yeah, the, the Jays chance here to, to repair some of their own in-division record and uh, put the brakes on Baltimore's run. The Jay, or the Orioles were doing the Jays some favors at the start of last week with winning certain games, but now it's it's time to put the clamps down and get back into yeah. a wild-card spot. Yeah, um, I'm the Houston being swept is good news for the Jays. Again, brings them a little bit closer. Sucks it came at the hands of the Mariners, but still, I think all you were kind of hoping for in that series was for one of those two teams to sweep the other one so that you can stay in the mix with them. Uh, I'm also still not writing off the possibility of catching the Tampa Bay Rays. I know you're five and a half back of them right now, but you play them six times towards the end of the season. We know what's going on. No wonder Franco doesn't sound like they're going to get them back anytime soon. They're dealing with a ton of injuries to that rotation. It's past the trade deadline, so you can't really go get replacements. Like, I don't know. It'd be a very raised thing to like just keep going on a run with like basically your triple A team. Um, but I, I'm not writing off the possibility of Toronto catching them and also the idea of them catching Houston. I mean, that's, that's a really, really interesting spot. That's an Astros team that's just been looking very average for way too long so far this season. Uh, very interesting stuff, Brando. Thanks as always for a fantastic AL East report. You bet, guys. And one last thing. I think we are expecting some news on the Wander Franco situation here later on Monday, I believe, uh, one way or the other. So hopefully by next episode, we'll have something to report on there. Well, there we go. Maybe something coming down the pipe today when it comes to Wander Franco. Big shout out to Brandon Douglas, who is wildly hungover after being at a wedding all weekend, but he grinded through that segment like a real champion. That's how you know you have a good future in broadcasting, Coombsy. If you can grind through your segment 
while being hungover. Uh, shout out to Brandon. Uh, the Jays, it's not like me and you don't do this show hungover no. on a fairly consistent basis. Uh, no. The Jays have Monday off, and then it is the final three games of the year against Ryan Mountcastle and the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles, a season series that I am very excited to put in the rearview mirror. But hopefully the Jays can end it on a bit of a positive note. It's uh, going to be three tough games at Camden Yards, though, because the Orioles just have not stopped. Seven and three in their last ten. They're coming in on a three-game heater here. They're looking good. Yeah, they always continue to look good. And I mean, I don't know. I, I'll be honest with you. When I when I look at the, it's specifically with the pitching staff. I look at it and I'm like, I I just don't see how this is an elite team. I, there, there's a lot of good things about the Orioles. The the bullpen's strong. Felix Bautista's season that he's having as the closer, it's been spectacular. Like Zach Britton, 2016 level stuff. Their lineup is so good. Adley Rushman, such a good like core player, such a good catcher, such a good bat. There's there's a lot to like about this team. But you look at their starting pitching, and that's what I kind of thought about them ahead of the season. I thought, you know what, Baltimore is going to be in the mix again, but it's their their starting pitching is going to hold them back a little bit, and it, that just hasn't been the case. And I mean, in this series, the Jays are going to have three good starters going as they pretty much do every series because their starting pitching staff is very deep. It'll be Kikuchi versus Grayson Rodriguez, Kevin Gosman, the former Oriole versus Jack Flaherty, their Baltimore's trade deadline acquisition, and then Jose Barrios versus Dean Kramer. It's 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 an interesting mix. Grayson Rodriguez, he's that uh, top prospect who came up and he was pretty bad at the beginning of the year. I think his ERA on the season is still above five. But since he went down to AAA at the end of May and came back up, his ERA has been 3.03 across six starts. And there's Flaherty, who made his first start as an Oriole against the Jays and completely dominated them over six innings. In his next two starts after that, he allowed three runs and five to the Astros and seven runs and three innings to the Padres in terrible sense. So no idea what to expect there. Dean Kramer has been solid all season. Another one of those just kind of like innings munching guys. Um, Yeah, who knows what to expect from this series. You look at the three guys that Toronto has going and you're like, they could win all three of these games, but then again, the Orioles haven't been swept in over a year. It's it was what since like last June or last May or last April yeah. or something before Rutschman came up. They haven't been swept since then. That's absolutely nuts. Uh, I'm going to take a bunch of spins on all of these. Uh, Dean Kramer has been wildly con- it's consistent all season. He's due for a bad start. Jack Flaherty got lit up his last time out. He doesn't have his best stuff. Very ripe for the picking. Grayson Rodriguez has gone five consecutive starts, allowing no more than three earned runs and has pitched into the sixth inning. And all of those, he's also due to get lit up. So a couple of guys who are due to get lit up and another guy who just got lit up. So that means he's pitching very bad right now. So you can spin these things however you want, Cam. It's all about the... All about your outlook when it comes to this year's Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, Hunter Green is a very good arm. He's the best arm they faced in that series. And I know he's coming back from injury, so rust was a thing, but they managed to get a ton of action off him. So you never know. You never know. It's uh, it's hard to say. I mean, yeah. I, we keep going into these series against Baltimore being like, this is the series. They're going to do it. Man, oh man, they have a hard time with the Orioles. I don't know what it is. Like you, you could understand early in the season why the Red Sox were having their time with the Jays because the Jays beat the shit out of the Red Sox last year and kind of rubbed it in their face a little bit. So you can see why the Red Sox would have that animosity. But I don't know where this this Baltimore thing's coming from. Like, do they have a hate on for the Jays? Is Brian Baker just in the uh, in the team's locker room getting everybody rah, 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 we have to beat the Jays? Or are the O's just a good team? Like, are they just way better than we think they are? I, I still look at them and I, I can't wrap my head around it. I, I truly can't. You just watch them play and they're, they're so good. 
<laughs> it's it's very strange. It's it's weird. Like I knew they were going to be solid and they have all this upside with all these prospects, but I just I didn't think this pitching staff was going to be able to get it done. Uh, something I wanted to bring up at the end of the AL East report is that the Yankees are 17 games back of top spot in the AL East. They would be standing alone in second place in the AL Central. So there's your hate for the AL Central for today's podcast. I always got to mix that in. Um, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. I mean, for the Jays, if you can survive this series, if you win two games, I will be thrilled because after this, it's the light part of their schedule and it is a crucial stretch for them because you need to rack up a ton of victories. After this, you get ball or you get Cleveland, not good. You get Washington, not a great ball club. Colorado, not a great ball club. Oakland, not good. Kansas City, not good. It's a lot of spots there where you can be sweeping series if you're playing your best. Um, a great chance for them to make some hay, but they got to survive this three gamer against Baltimore. Uh, just speaking of strength of schedule as well. I wanted to share this from Brandon Weil of The Score, Brandon underscore N underscore W-I-L-E on Twitter. He's a really good baseball follow. Um, he did the the winning percentages of teams you need to play down the stretch to do like a strength of schedule thing. Houston has the easiest schedule of the teams yeah. in the wildcard mix at 473 is their opponent win percentage. Seattle is at 479. The Jays are at 486 and the Red Sox have the toughest schedule at 540 in terms of their opposition win percentage. So the Jays, Mariners, and Astros, actually, there isn't a ton separating them in terms of their strength of schedule, but that just means you need to take care of business when you get opportunities like the Jays will in the next couple of weeks. Another interesting thing the Jays have on the horizon, and it's a part of the schedule I hadn't really put too much thought into, but they have a four-game series at home against Texas. And, I mean, if the Jays pump the Rangers in that series, beat them three out of four, and Seattle catches um, Texas in the in the, uh, in the West and they jump on top, then you never know. Like, that that could be a really important head-to-head. Like, we talked about the Tampa games, the six of them, but that Texas series might actually be a huge head-to-head for the Jays. That might have major implications on what happens in the NL West and subsequently who's in the wildcard race in the American League. Yeah, you're actually, that's a great point. I didn't even look at it that way. You're only three and a half games back of the Texas Rangers. And I know you can't like quote unquote catch them unless they fall out of that top spot in the division. But yeah, if you did some damage to them in that series, I mean, granted, you might need to face both Scherzer and Verlander in that series. Not always ideal. Um, but yeah, you could do some damage there. The head to heads that the Jays have could make this thing really interesting across the entire American league. And, uh, one more series against the Baltimore Orioles. And, uh, then we will just blast this head to head season series into the sun and never talk about it again. Uh, Coombs, you enjoy this three gamer. Let's hope for two wins. Best wishes. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 